When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. If you've been looking for love at first sight, it's closer than you think. It can be found at your local shelter. So this June 7th to June 9th, join the Pedigree Adoption Drive and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Pedigree knows that bringing a dog into your home not only opens their heart, it can open yours too. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more and see full terms and conditions. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuckers Bryant, and there's Jerry W. Jer Roland. Actually, Jerry's been canceled. Oh, okay. Due to low ratings. You know, what's funny <laughs> is um, Jerry has been portrayed on television. And a TV show that was canceled due to poor ratings. Poor ratings. That was our show. That was our show. We had a television show once. It was called Stuff You Should Know. It was a slightly fictionalized version of our life, our work life. We made a sitcom. Yeah, we did. <laughs> it's pretty cool. And a lot of people loved it. And a lot of people are like, what in the world did you do it that way for? So that... A lot, it's like basically 10 and 10. Oh, yeah. You're referring to the 20 people who've seen that show. Yeah, actually, we'll get to that all, but we um, we know a little bit about how TV ratings work because of that. And uh, in some ways, I believe we're a victim <laughs> I don't think so. of the antiquated system that is the Nielsen TV ratings. Yeah, okay. No, dude, it's it's... It's antiquated. Oh, That's man. why it's changing. I do not disagree with the antiquated part. What I do disagree with is that had it been up to date, I think it would have had zero impact on our success. I don't know, man. I will say this to the people out there. What um, what the network did was they looked only at one number, which is the amount of people that sat down in front of their television set on a Saturday night live at 10 p.m. to watch our show. Right. They did not count things that we'll talk about, like online streaming mm-hmm. or DVR mm-hmm. um, or anything like that, which is what makes it antiquated because it's it's changing, man. People aren't watching TV like they used to, but they're basing a lot of these uh, decisions on a system that was designed in the 1950s. So let's go back, man. It goes back even further than that. Back in 1923, the A.C. Nielsen Company started... At the time, people who were broadcasting radio wanted to know what people were listening to. So there were a lot of companies that would telephone up a family at random and say, Say, fella, what are you listening to right now on the old Victorola? Ah, the amazing adventure hour. And uh, he'd say, hey, thanks a lot, bub. (laughs) Yeah. Talk to you later. And they'd hang up. Here's a nickel for your troubles. They wish. (laughs) Yeah. Because we're talking depression at this time. Um well, not 1923. Later on, they sure. wish they had a nickel. Here's a chicken for your pot. <laughs> nice. Yeah. That's a Hoover reference, man. You don't get those too often. I try to bust them out. So 
the Nielsen company said, that's all fine and good. That's great that you guys are figuring out what people are listening to. But we have something even better because we are a technological powerhouse. And what they did was they randomly picked some families around America and said, say, can we put this cool recording device in your home near your radio and it will record what you're listening to at any given time? And then we'll send technicians out to pick it up from time to time get the information off of it, and then bring it back so we can keep recording it? And family said, sure. And the Nielsen Company's domination of broadcast ratings was sealed. Yeah. After that point, everybody from every competitor they had was just peanuts compared to the Nielsen Company. So much so that when you hear TV ratings, it's synonymous with Nielsen ratings. Yeah. Very much like Kleenex and uh, facial tissue yeah. are one and the same. Yeah. Same thing. Thanks to Nielsen's technological powerhouse. The irony of it, though, is that once they started installing those boxes in the 20s or 30s, and then they moved on to television sets, the innovation, I mean, they innovated somewhat, but fundamentally, principally, it remained the same uh, until a, a year or two ago. Yeah, and they're not, um, we'll get into all the, the hardware uh, of the, the, hardware side of how it works uh-huh. but what they did in 1954 was send actual little diaries that you would fill out and pencil and send back and they still do that today <laughs> yeah in 2014 even though in 2006 they said they were going to stop they still send those little diaries and you get a little diary in the mail with five one dollar bills really in the envelope no way for your troubles that's funny and they, so it's like the modern nickel yeah exactly and they rely on lazy, dishonest people to fill out this card and mail it back and, and then go spend that $5 on a on a grande latte. Yeah. It would have gotten you a lot more in 1954. Oh, man, you could have bought a car. But that, <laughs> but that is the, the, the diary version. What um, and, and the networks and advertisers have never liked the diary version. They still don't. No, but it's what's called Sweeps Week. <laughs> Which is hard to say. That's right. And we'll get to sweeps in a second. But um, what they mainly like to rely on are two different uh, electronic hardware methods. Mm-hmm. Um, the set meters, as in TV set, and people meters. And right now they have, uh, by 2015, they plan to have more than 6,200 TV set meters. And this is just for the U.S. and Canada, by the way. Yeah. Um, because everyone else's TV is weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Simon? You ever watch TV in different countries when you're traveling and stuff? Yes, and it is. It's so much fun. It, it is fun, but after a while, you're like, I really miss American TV. Yeah, but I mean, if you're traveling abroad, you shouldn't be watching a whole lot of TV. Exactly. It's like late night in the hotel. It's one, of, But it's one of the great pluses is you're just like, I don't feel like watching this. I'll go out and see the sights instead. Yeah, I think uh, I was in Belgium watching TV with my buddy Brett years and years ago, and uh, it was translated in English and subtitles and... One of the characters said something, and I guess, I don't know if it was Flemish, and the other guy just looked and said, ick, ook, and it said, me too. <laughs> so we still say that today when we're responding me too to each other. We'll go, ick, ook. Nice. <laughs> All those years later. So anyway, um, the set, uh, yeah, it said there were 6,200 by 2015 in 31 uh, markets, TV markets. And then there are about 35,000... I believe now, uh, people meters in those homes. Oh, I'm sorry, in about 20,000 homes. Mm. And those people meters are more specific uh, because 
you can have three people meters in one house. We want to see what little Susie's watching. We want to see what her brother Randy's watching. Right. And they won't see what her dad watches after everyone's gone to bed. Yeah. (laughs) So each one of them will have their own little people meter that they'll turn on. And I always thought that these things were connected to your television, like your cable box. Yeah. And it just kind of read the information, but they're actually listening devices. Isn't that weird? Totally blew my mind. So basically, fact of the podcast, the way that the way that Nielsen figures out what TV show you're talking to is because they have a device that's connected to the internet that um, is eavesdropping on your TV, and they just in 2006 finally got to the point where they perfected this technology, and they have codes that broadcasters, the networks and the local affiliates, have to put in to their audio stream, the audio-video stream. Yeah, that not is, just the audio stream. Is it just audio? Yeah, but they're trying to come up with a video version. So basically there's a, a sound, there's a frequency that you can't hear. I don't even think your dog can hear it, but it comes through your TV yeah. and your Nielsen box can hear it. And it's, a, it's basically an audio fingerprint for a, a show. And when the Nielsen box hears that audio, it can be like, oh, well, they're watching Good Times right now. <laughs> That's funny. I was just thinking that. No way. Good Times, yeah. Yeah. And then I was like, no, I should say Three's Company instead. It, it depends. And then you said Good Times. Although if you watch Good Times long enough, there's an episode of Three's Company coming on eventually <laughs> on that channel. That's. I think Good Times may be my favorite all-time uh, theme song. It's a good one. Oh, man, it's so good. It's ridiculous. Did I tell you Henry Mancini did the... um? The What's Happening theme song? Yes. What episode was that in? Eh, just a few ago. Oh, uh, it was Number Stations. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Because the sound that the right. uh, shortwave thing made. So uh, that's how Nielsen's been figuring out what people are watching, which is mind-blowing. It's also, if it seems a little backwards, it, 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 yeah, it may be emblematic of a larger systematic resistance toward technological improvement. Yeah, or if it seems a little small as far as the sample pool goes. Um, Which it is. It is, but what they do is they extrapolate that number just like pollsters do, and they say, well, this, these are average markets, these are average families, um, so if these eventually 6,200 TV sets are watching this, we can pull that out and, and uh, do some sort of, they probably do it on a chalkboard in a room. There's this one guy... <laughs> who has the piece of chalk. Right. And he extrapolates that out and says, well, this is what America is watching, which always has bugged me. Yeah. Especially when you have a TV show that gets canceled. It is, because it all comes down to just how representative is your sample. You said there's 6,500 TV sets? They're 6,200 by 2015 okay. for the set meters. Right now, in 2014, May of 2014, there are 116.3 million TV sets in the U.S. <laughs> exactly. So this is a very small sample size, but... If the guy with the chalk, um, Bert, can can come up with a very good representative portion of the U.S., like there's this many um, divorced Hispanic families, there's this many um, gay Asian households, there's sure. like this many, you know, Mitt Romney voters, and like they take all these guys and put them together, and it's a clear cross-section of America. That's America, baby. You should be able to extrapolate pretty pretty uh, well from yeah, that. That's true. It just all depends on how good their statisticians are. That's right. And they do audits uh, over the years and quality checks, of course, and compare ratings from different samples 
So it's not like they just said, yeah, that's how we're doing it. Although they sort of do that, but they do, they do quality checks, of course. Yeah. One of the problems is, is like there's been so few challenges from outside competition that Nielsen can do whatever it wants. And it's so powerful that it literally has the entire television industry at its feet. It decides what rating a TV show gets. And ultimately the whole point to all of this stuff, to TV ratings in general is so that networks and their local affiliates can set advertising rates for advertisers. There's $78 billion at stake. That's the advertising spent in a year on television. And it all comes down to what rating Nielsen, with their representative sample and their audio eavesdropping boxes and their $5 bills in a paper diary, yes. decide that your TV show got. That's right. The, that's the dirty little secret is that they don't care how many people are watching that TV show. They care about how many people are watching the commercials. Yeah. That's really what they're looking at. And uh, more specifically, what demographic, which is why I don't think we mentioned why the people meters are so valuable. Right. Because they want to get that specific demo so they can show advertisers, 18 to 49-year-olds, they spend a ton of money, and they're watching uh, they're watching Community, <laughs> but no one else is, so we'll cancel Community. Which is kind of crazy, as we'll see in a little in a little while. Yeah, but um, just quickly, let me go over. I think most people know this, but uh, if you've got a half hour TV show, yeah, and um, you're gonna have 22 minutes of uh, TV show, <laughs> then you're gonna have eight minutes of commercials. Six of those are national ads yeah. sold by the network, and then your local affiliate is that's where you're gonna get your awesome commercials. Hey, two as for the wolf man. <laughs> yeah, two minutes worth. Or uh, Crazy Eddie, I remember, was big up in the Northeast. And then, so this is 2006. I couldn't find one recently. But back in 2006, you uh, if you're buying a commercial slot from a local affiliate, you're going to pay about $100 to $2,000, depending on, and this is during the daytime. This isn't like 3 a.m. Right. But depending on what show. So like back when Oprah was on, you could get a 30-second spot for 90 bucks. You could pay, oh, as a local affiliate? Yeah, you could also pay up to $2,000 for it. And then apparently you're going to double that for um, a national ad for a 30-second spot during the day. Wow. Which isn't just not uh, outlandish. Well, that's how crazy Eddie, I mean. Yeah, right. Or the Wolfman, they don't have a ton of money. No. So, Although, I don't know, the Wolfman wore a lot of jewelry. Yeah, that's true. For those of you who don't know who the Wolfman is, we understand because you probably didn't live in Atlanta in 1990. Yeah, I bet it was southeast. Uh, I bet it was on like WTBS and stuff. All you have to do is go type in Wolfman Donna Gallery Furniture into the YouTubes <laughs> and it will show you some classic gallery furniture ads. Or just type in, hey, ask for the Wolfman. No, ask for Donna. I don't remember that part. What? You don't remember Donna, his daughter no. with the hair? Uh, the whole premise of the ad oh, was she wasn't Wolfman <laughs> wanted you to come see him. And she'd say, hey, ask for the Wolfman. She'd go, no, ask for Donna. She'd always get his goat. All right. So let's take a break here, and then we'll talk about uh, – you mentioned Sweeps Week. Yeah, I did. And we'll talk about that right after this. Yeah, we will. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. 
Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, sweeps. Everyone's heard it. Um, it is a bit. <laughs> Everyone's heard it. <laughs> yeah, everyone hears about you know this is sweeps weeks. That's when. Well, we'll we'll, we'll tell you what it is. This is the fact of the podcast to me. What sweeps week? Yeah, where it came from and and why it exists. Well, in 1954 is when they started sending out those TV diaries, and uh, they made a geographic sweep starting in the Northeast across mm-hmm. the country from mm-hmm. east to west, and they collected the little booklets. And those were our first uh, reportings of TV ratings. So before they had they had the the eavesdropping boxes that they were using, but it was basically like um, this this these are I think maybe up to twenty thousand households at one point in the major markets. The the great thing about the paper diaries is they could go into local markets, smaller markets, and find out not just what you know. The people in New York or LA or Chicago were watching. Sure. But what the people in, you know, Santa Fe were watching too, or, you know, uh, Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, there was a saying. How does it play in what Santa was it? Fe? Was it Sheboygan or something? Probably Sheboygan or Walla Walla. I can't remember. It may have been a movie thing too, but that, there's an industry saying, how does it play in this city? It's got to rhyme. Because that's what matters. You know, of course, New York and LA and the major markets are going to consume, uh, they want to know what your average household wants to see. Right. And basically. this is in 1954. This was the first time that anyone had ever taken a really comprehensive snapshot of what America was watching in the given week. Yeah. And so they said, hey, this worked really well. We're going to start doing this every year. We're yeah. going to have what's now called a sweeps week. And it's going to be on this week. And so the TV executive said, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Sweeps week. This is what we're going to start setting our advertising rates against. And it's going to be this week. Yeah. And I'm going to do the craziest <laughs> stuff yeah. I can think of to get ratings as as big and wide as I possibly can grab on that week. And that 
is where Sweep Suite came from. And we've seen some pretty interesting things as a result of Sweep's Week. Yeah, there's um, a great tradition of stunt casting during Sweep's Week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin Bieber will show up on CSI. <laughs> I didn't see that one, did you? No, nah, I don't watch that show. And if I did, I would have punched my TV if he showed <laughs> up on it. Um, if you're going to shoot JR, you're going to do it during Sweep's Week. Oh, yeah. Uh, the late night talk shows are going to load up their, their biggest A-list guests during Sweep's Week. ER did a live show. Yes, I actually watched that one, and I wasn't an ER fan. I just wanted to see if they could pull it off. Yeah, right. It was pretty cool. Uh, Ellen used to have a sitcom based on her life, yeah. and she came out on that show during Sweep Sweep. Oh, yeah, that's right. And very famously, there was a not one, not two, but thrice part Happy Days where Fonzie jumps a shark on water skis. <laughs> was that Sweeps? That happened during Sweeps Week. Wow, that's a Sweeps failure. It, it, I don't well, know. I'll know if people watched it. Yeah. I don't guess you can call it a failure because that's probably uh It's become, iconic. Yeah, it's part of the lexicon now. Do you remember in Arrested Development where Henry Winkler jumps over a shark? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Classic. Yeah. Uh, these days, Sweeps Week is actually 16 weeks because they have... Uh, I don't know about narrowed it down. They broadened it out to four four week periods in November, February, May, and July, and um, they they still trot out uh, special things for sweeps, but it's not. It definitely doesn't have the teeth that it used to uh, because of the way that people consume media these days, which we're gonna you know start getting into. So, not it doesn't have the teeth that it used to, and and as a result, um, a lot of networks have kind of stopped, like you said, doing the stunt casting and that kind of stuff. But it's still as a um, um, it's still basically holding broadcast TV hostage. Yeah, because that is still what advertisers want to see. Well, what, what are your ratings during Sweeps Week? And that's what they set their ad rates against. Yeah. So the fact that there are these four month long Sweeps Weeks um, means that the broadcasters have to follow the normal fall to summer broadcast model with reruns. In between. Yeah, and this is for, for for NBC, ABC, CBS, Fox, like the major broadcast networks, non-cable networks. Right. Uh, which is a, a completely dying beast. Yeah, because they rely 100% exclusively on advertising. Yeah. And cable has been eating their lunch because advertising has been going down. It looks like it's already peaked. It's still $78 million. Billion. Billion. Yeah. Yes, you're right. But cable takes a huge, substantial portion of that in advertising. Yeah. But then even when advertising rates go down, cable still survives because cable makes money off of subscriber fees yep. and transmission fees, too. Yeah, exactly, which is why cable uh, has a big leg up. And also, they can um, they don't have a traditional television season. They can release stuff all year long. Right. And uh, You can binge watch it. Yeah, which is happening. That's that's the new model. So like we said, for many years, um, Nielsen was just kind of, uh, as this one Wired article, the Nielsen family is dead, put it. <laughs> it was in a torpor. And the first thing I that really... I love that word. I do, too. Torpor. Perfect. <laughs> so great. Um, the first thing that really roused um, Nielsen was DVRs. Because when DVRs came along, the advertising industry was like, oh, God, people can fast forward through ads now. 
Yeah, like they've always dreamed of doing. Exactly. Now they can. Yeah. And it was the basically the television apocalypse. And that didn't pan out because advertisers figured out that, yeah, people can aver- can fast forward through ads, but there's ways to still get your message across at 16 times speed. You can do things called pod busters where you use the actors or the look or the set of the TV show that you're advertising within yeah. to make them think like the show just came back on and you <laughs> caught them because yep. it's really an ad. I know. Um, there's all sorts of stuff you can do. So it hasn't been an advertising apocalypse. And as a result, because DVRs are cl- clearly here to stay and have been since you know the early 2000s, um, Nielsen has had to kind of finally be like, okay, we need to innovate a little bit and figure out how to include DVR because not everybody's sitting down at eight o'clock on a Monday night and watching Murder She Wrote. Nobody is. Man, I watched a couple episodes the other night. I love that show. I've never seen one episode. What? I know. Man, it is good. Is it? It's good. Um, another thing too, uh, just to backtrack is uh, I've noticed lately is um, your on-demand watching, which a lot of uh, cable companies. I'm a Comcast person by. Because I'm forced to be. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, really. A lot of the, uh, the on demand shows now within the first like couple of weeks that they're available, you can't fast forward through. Oh, yeah. I can like see you that. hit the fast forward button and a, a little null sign comes up. Yeah. And says, sorry, you're going to have to sit through this. So the DVR, I guess the fact that the DVR is connected to the internet. Yeah. And is because it, it's getting show information. The the actual show is being recorded on your physical hard drive. I'm sure there's cloud DVR recorders or whatever, but for the most part, there's a hard drive that's recording shows onto your DVR. And then the other capability is that it's connected to the Internet, which is where it gets show information and all that stuff to present to you. Exactly. But the Internet, as you may have figured out by now, is a two-way street. Yeah. Not only can information be downloaded to your home, it can be uploaded, and that includes your preferences how what shows you watch, um, how often you watch them, when you watch them. And so all of a sudden the DVR companies are like, hey, Nielsen's giving you guys like 8 p.m. on NBC ratings. Pfft, we've got all of these other ratings that they're not taking into account that you can get from us. Not only that, but they can actually tell when you're pausing your right. TV because the infamous uh, nip slip I hate even saying those words. Yeah, really. Uh, in the 2004 Super Bowl with Janet Jackson, they, uh, TiVo, the popular DVR uh, company, although, do people still use TiVo? They probably do. I don't know. It's like every local cable company has their own DVR now. It seems like it. But um, they were able to say that was the most replayed clip uh, in the history of TiVo up until that point, was people pausing and rewinding. Right. That stupid, stupid stunt. Right. But like you were saying, they've now decided... Um, at least some networks have decided they're going to start counting um, what's called (laughs) the DVR. I'm so bitter. The DVR plus system, which is DVR um, live plus same day. Yeah, that's the Nielsen method. Live plus three days or live plus three and then live plus seven, which is obviously uh, live plus same days. If you just watch it later that night, Um, plus three is three days within three days. And then seven is within that week. And I'm seeing like conflicting information out there. It seems like either they they now have basically just live pl- live plus three, which is um, like their main measurement. Well, what matters is what the advertisers say is what we care about. 
Like you can have live plus 20, but if the advertisers are like, we don't care about live plus 20, that doesn't do anything for us. Exactly. It's true. But it sounds like you're right. Like at one point they tried to say that live plus same day is basically the same thing. Nielsen did. Right. And the advertise, and they wanted to lump it together. Uh, with live and, and the advertiser were like, nah, it's really not the same. No, so, because of the fast forwarding thing. Yeah, so let's at least separate these numbers out so we can look at it all uh, individually. Yeah. Um, the thing is, is it, the people who are watching TV, you know, i.e. you and I, um, we don't care what the advertisers think and they basically just need to keep up with our viewing habits, which are changing radically. Yeah. The broadcast networks have lost 17% of the most coveted demographic, 18 to 49-year-olds, between 2012 and 2013, 17% just gone. Yeah. Part of that is because the networks put out terrible, terrible stuff, although <laughs> so do the cable networks these days, too. Yeah, sure. But uh, another part of it is because broadcast is stuck in this sweep weeks, sweeps week, um, certain time at, on a certain day format that yeah. has been in forever yeah since the 50s and they're being basically held hostage by nielsen's ratings so there's been a real push to advance technologically and to start taking into account these other myriad ways that people consume television and uh getting a clear picture of what an audience is doing and the fact that it's now computer based and we have ways of tracking computers yeah really broadcasters are as excited as ever sure and we just have to figure out how to do it and we'll talk about how they're trying to figure out how to do it right after this chuck yeah we love squarespace.com don't we yeah because if you're in need of a website and you're just a regular schmo and not a like a programmer, there's really no easier or better way to do it. That's right, because Squarespace uses drag-and-drop intuitive building of websites. Yeah. You don't have to know how to use code. No, and if you get confused, even though it's intuitive, they have great 24-7 customer support, email support, live chat. I think I said 24-7. You know what that means. Yeah, it means all the time. All the time. Plus, Squarespace is very design-centric. They produce beautiful, clean designs, and your content becomes the focus of your website, which is what you're after. Yeah, and if you want to sell stuff, all the plans have commerce options, which is really cool. You can host an entire store or accept donations for your personal blog. Plus, your website looks good on every device, from your laptop, your tablet, your mobile phone, and get this, you can find all this out for yourself firsthand risk-free. That's right. Making Squarespace an all-in-one solution. All you have to do is go to www.squarespace.com slash stuff. That's our promo code. And you're going to get a 14-day trial. No credit card's going to be necessary here. And if you like the product, it costs as low as 8 bucks a month, including a free domain name, if you sign up for a year. That's right. So everybody, go use the offer code STUFF and get 10% off of your first purchase. That's squarespace.com slash stuff. Offer code stuff. stuff you know. uh, well, one thing before we get to the internet um, that we haven't mentioned yet is you might hear in uh, TV parlance mm-hmm. the word share, yeah, as opposed to rating. Uh, and what that is is a sh- is a share is how many people are watching uh, a certain TV show that are actually watching TV. Um, a rating is just how many people are watching it. But the share is how many people, what share of people are watching a show that are watching something. Right. Other people, like if your TV's off, 
it doesn't count. No, then so your share number is always going to be higher. Yeah, it is. But the rating is the the number of people watching it compared to the entire population of America, right? Exactly. Or Canada. <laughs> yeah, I keep forgetting about Canada. They steal our shows. <laughs> um, so now we're on to the 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 newest development. Um, DVRs kind of threw a wrench in the plans, but they're trying to take those into account. And they've they've been pretty successful, it seems like, with that. Yeah, once they settle on what they all agree is a valid thing. Measurement. Yeah, valid measurement. Um, but now, of course, people are consuming TV online more than ever, uh, on their laptops, on their tablets, yeah, can on I, their mobile devices. Can I throw out some figures for you real quick, Chuck? Please. Consider this. 116 million television sets in the United States. Yeah. There's 113 million tablets. What? Yeah. 166 million smartphones and 243 million internet-connected computers. Double the amount of televisions in the U.S. Yeah. And people are watching stuff whenever they want, however they want on this. And as it stands right now, Nielsen is still trying to figure out how the heck they can most effectively track these people. Yeah, well, this is the the first year, uh, this fall TV season will be the very first year that uh, they're going to supposedly have a across-the-board measurement system uh, with TV ratings that will include viewership on everything, including your mobile device. And it's forced some innovation, too, because the Nielsen can't just say, oh, well, we'll add like an eavesdropper onto your tablet or your smartphone because it'll drain your battery. Yeah, what it'll probably be is a, is a third-party app or piece of software. And it makes sense. It seems like it would be easier than ever to track watching habits in the near future. Okay, it is if you're Google. If you're Nielsen, yeah. and you've been basically caught off guard by this since you know you maybe started thinking about this in 2011, yeah. then you're in deep trouble. Old man Nielsen. There's a very, very effective way of tracking computer use, Chuck, and it's called cookies. And cookies have been around forever. And they've gotten to the point now where they can plant cookies on your tablet, your smartphone, your computer, mm-hmm. however you – all these things you use – and after a while, just from paying attention to the data, they, they're, they're, the algorithm will basically say, I think these three cookies over here are the same person. Right. And they'll put them together, and all of a sudden, what was once three users is now one, and the picture is that much clearer of who binge-watched season two of uh, True Blood yeah. this week. Right. You know? Yeah. So there's cookies out there, and they've been around for a while, and they're very easy to get and very easy to use. And this is what Nielsen's up against. Yeah, and you may be saying to yourself, well, who cares how people are watching it, if it's online or on TV? But what matters is advertisers, uh, if you've noticed, if you watch shows online, like with Hulu or something, mm-hmm. they're different commercials. You're yeah. not seeing the same stuff. And they still can't even decide now what to count because they don't want to, uh, you know, if, if Brad Pitt does a Pepsi commercial. Right. He probably has it in his contract. Well, this can only run on on, on air on network on air TV in Thailand. Only. Yeah, don't don't show me on Hulu. I don't want my commercial running online. If I show up in South Korea, you owe me ten million dollars. <laughs> That's right. So they have a lot of control on how their images are seen, uh, or maybe they uh, maybe there's an awesome commercial that licensed um, the Who's won't get fooled again. It's only licensed for television. They can't show that same commercial online. Right. So you're going to have to show what uh, some advertisers or or shows or networks might consider 
uh, a substandard ad. So right. they don't even want to count that as a view. Yeah. And the same applies to TV shows, too. There there might be uh, actors, writers that are just for on-air and not for video distribution or um, just like with the ads. So it seems to me like the the... There's, it's not just Nielsen who's up against this. The networks are still trying to figure out things like TV everywhere. Yeah. Like they want you to be able to watch TV everywhere you are sure. at all times because then they can serve you ads yeah. everywhere at all times and they can charge for those kind of things. But they, they can't say how to track this yet. One. And then not everything's cleared for all forms of media. Two. The other problem with online viewing is they don't have that all important uh, demographic detail. Okay, again though. Or they could though. If they start using cookies, yeah. then they've got it right there. Sure. They that this is what advertisers are salivating over, like hyper targeted ads. Yeah. So like imagine if you and I are watching the same like classic episode of Saturday Night Live. Yeah. And I'm watching on my computer, you're watching on your computer, we're sitting right next to each other, we press play at the same time, the ad break gets to the same spot at the same time, and then boom, two different ads come up. Yeah, I get and, oval teen because I'm in my forties. Right. And you get a Ferrari ad because you're five or six years younger than exactly. me. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what would happen, too. So this is what advertisers want, like that level of targeted. But the, the, the Nielsen company is still dominating. If they can catch up, the Nielsen company will be around for another 50, 100 years. But, again, they're up against cookie tracking right now. And if somebody can come along and be like, hey, man, we've got all of your second screen data you could ever want, then – Again, Nielsen's in big trouble. Well, there are companies trying to do that. There's one called Comscore that says they can offer a single metric that it shows who's watching television across every single platform you can think of. Yeah. Time-shifted, on-demand, streaming, uh, live, whatever. Comscore says they can do it. Uh, NBC has signed up with them, and they haven't dropped Nielsen. You know, they're just spending more money to try and get better tracking. Uh, there's another com- uh, company. Uh, they did that in the 2014 Sochi Olympics, right? Was that the trial? Yeah, I think that's when they rolled it out. Supposedly it was super successful. Yeah, that's what they said. Um, and then there's another one called Rentrack that uh, they, their origins were just uh, a video cassette distributor, but they realized that that was going nowhere. What? In 2014. Even worse, they were beta. Yeah, so they diversified into TV ratings. And they use uh, cable set-top boxes and right now have deals with 70 networks and 300 TV stations. And basically the competition, uh, David Poltrak, he's a chief uh, research officer for CBS mm-hmm. Corporation, said that it's the, the competition on the research front is the most intense it's ever been. Oh, and, it's a uh, pretty exciting time. Yeah, and Nielsen actually, there was um, uh, FTC uh, antitrust settlement where I think the way I understand it is that Nielsen was using... Uh, they they acquired uh, a company called Arbitron, which is a specialist in radio mm-hmm. and out-of-home measurement. And I think there was an antitrust suit saying, like, you can't be the only people using this. So they've now licensed that out. Uh, we're forced, I think, to license it out to Comscore, who is now using that uh, portable people meter. Not purple people eater. No, man, but <laughs> hats off to you for getting it right. And I think time. I'm understanding that correctly. But the long and the short of it is, unless they get this right, they think they're missing out on as much as 15% of TV viewing uh, is going unaccounted for at this point. So if you're, like, you're a network or something like that, that's ad revenue, right? That's an ad rate hike yeah. that you aren't getting. If you're an advertiser, 
that's like a whole like ghost group that you may or may not be getting your product in front of, but uh, like you can't say either way. Yeah. Um. There's yeah, having ten or fifteen percent of the advertising or viewing audience unaccounted for is not acceptable. To me, not in modern America, buddy. This is what I think is going to happen. I think they're going to get their their jazz together, um, and be able to track who watches a show down to a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and the people who make the shows will sell a package to an advertiser, uh-huh. and the advertiser spot runs in that show no matter where it's consumed. Yeah. So it's like a 360 deal, basically. Yeah. Like this show is going to be broadcast live or broadcast on, on the NEPS. It's going to be up on our uh, player. You're going to be able to watch it on tablet. But in all these, it's going to be when you buy an ad spot, it goes with the show no matter where the show goes. Right. I could see that. And then there's another happy aspect of tracking, viewing, like down to this granular detail. Your shows are more likely to be saved. Our show, again, I say, would not have been helped by any of this. <laughs> but the whole reason community was online or still on air was because the NBC was smart enough to be like, oh, well, wait a minute. Like, yeah, its ratings are abysmal. Yeah. Traditionally speaking. But on Twitter, it actually trends. It's like a worldwide trend. That's valuable. Yeah. And they figured out that this is this is something you have to take into account. Nielsen has as well. They launched a partnership with Twitter, who in turn bought like a basically a TV trend tracking service. Yeah. So now Nielsen's going to start taking Twitter trending into account into its ratings. Yeah, and I think they, uh, I think Nielsen has to deal with Facebook too, right? I believe so. Yeah, to try and uh, uh, see again what's trending, I guess. Yeah, and so now it's not just going to be how many people are watching it, how many people are talking about it, how right. many people like dress up like that character yeah. on, you know, that night, that kind of thing. Yep. Um so really neat inventive shows that don't get a huge national audience sure. will maybe have a, a longer life. We might still have freaks and geeks. It's the yes, that would be nice. Although that was a perfect run in, encapsulated in one season. Yeah. It's pretty great. And everyone on that show went on to be huge movie stars almost. Yeah. Well, not everyone, but a lot of them did. Most of them. Um, man, you know who we sh- if we would have had time, who we should have talked to about this was uh, Luke uh, Ryan. Oh, yeah. Our buddy Luke is... He's movies, though, right? Well, no, he does... He knows all about this stuff. He, he does TV as well, but he's just... Talking to him is like he's always one step ahead. He's very, very forward-thinking, smart yeah, guy. Yes, and, and uh, I bet he would verify your uh, theory on where we're headed. Maybe tweak it. Well, Luke, if you're out there listening, let us know. You better be listening. Um, and also, I'm eternally grateful to Luke Ryan for my Billy Zabka signed yeah. Hot Tub Time Machine poster. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's how we first met him, right? Yep. That's pretty cool. Uh, if you want to know more about Luke Ryan or uh, TV ratings, you can type either of those two into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. Uh, and since I said Luke Ryan, not Luke Bryan, <laughs> yeah. that's different. I don't even know who Luke Bryan is. Uh, he's a huge big-time country star. That's why I don't know who he is. Do you is. know he <laughs> sold out like two shows at Madison Square Gardens? And like, apparently he's the only one to ever do that. He's huge. No, what do you, uh, people sell out multiple shows at Madison Square Garden all the time? Like well, Bruce sells out like six, eight in a row. He's one of them. Okay, maybe he he broke like the time record or something. But like, he's a he's a good guy too, though. 
Yeah, if his name isn't Willie Nelson, then I don't know him. Well, anyway, it's time for listener mail. <laughs> I'm going to call this a train conductor. I love that job. We had one that wrote in. Awesome. Um, hey, guys. Been wanting to write in for a while now. Been waiting until I could think of something interesting to relate to you. I found your podcast a while back in February. I was looking for something to listen to while I commute to work. Working out of Penn Station for the Long Island Railroad as a train conductor means my hours tend to have me driving home anywhere from midnight to 3 a.m. Prior to finding your show, all I listened to were audiobooks or the radio, but I got bored with all that after a while, and I noticed my eyelids were getting heavier and heavier, which is about 70 miles door-to-door on my trip. Yeah. It's no good. No. Enter Stuff You Should Know. Uh, From the first time I listened to you guys, I've been wide awake, amused, and attentive the whole drive. That's why I want to thank you guys for keeping me alive. Because if not for your show, I'm sure I would have fallen asleep and driven off the road. Ever since childhood, I've always been fascinated about history and learning how things work. uh, And was evident by me dismantling my toys and attempting to put them back together. Although it's funny, in the end, I always had extra parts. So again, thank you for accompanying me on my drive home every night. It's been nice having three friends in the car, although one of you is extremely silent. That's Jerry. And by the way, Jerry didn't get canceled. We were just joking. Yeah, all right. She's uh, she's on the air. Uh, and that is from Angel Cartagena in Bethel, Connecticut. Or on hell. I wondered about that. He says, P.S., if this becomes listener mail, I know you both try so hard to pronounce things. My last name is Cartagena, like the city in Romancing the Stone. Mm-hmm. But he didn't say if it was on hell or angel. If his last name's Cartagena, it's on hell. I would think, but we'll see. We will see. Let us know, on hell. That's what I'm going with. All right. Uh, if you want to let us know how to pronounce your name, we're always happy to hear from uh, buddies out there who listen in listening land. You can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can post the pronunciation of your name on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. You can send us an email to StuffPodcast at HowStuffWorks.com. And as always, hang out with us at our home on the web, StuffYouShouldKnow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF. 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.